Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for just being a part of our lives, for leading us, for guiding us, for strengthening us, for giving us your Holy Spirit. God, I just thank you so much for just being able to have access to you, Lord. And so I ask that you lead me in this discussion, God. You allow me to deliver your word today. Um, Make sure that I don't forget anything. Holy Spirit, just quicken me. Let me, you know, let me discuss everything that needs to be discussed. And don't let me forget anything that I need to talk about. Um, Also, I just pray that you allow us to retain your word, Lord. And you just allow us to accept the things that you want for us. God, we appreciate you being a part of our life. We thank you so much for just guiding us. We thank you for a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. We ask that you give us continuum um, support of having discernment through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for being you in our life. And so we appreciate you, Lord. Most importantly, God, we ask that you allow your will to be done, not ours, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your time and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So I'm going to continue the discussion on women's health. All right. Um, so let me go ahead and share my screen. Okay, so I wanted to finish up with what I was discussing yesterday. So... Um, here we go. I think it was here. Here it is. Um, in first Peter chapter two, verse two, it says like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So when you think about spiritual milk, um, you, you should be thinking about understanding the word of God, understanding what God wants for us, for what God wants specifically for you. Let's look at the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation says, like newborn babies, you must crave spirit, pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. The English Standard Version says, like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. The King James Bible says, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. The Amplified Bible says, like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, its ultimate fulfillment. Amen to that, right? So God, what he wants us to do is crave spiritual milk. 
Now let's look at the King James uh, version again. This one it says sincere milk. So let's look at this at the in the strong concordance. So it should be sincere milk. It doesn't come up. Let's see. Just type in milk. Okay, and so we were looking at First Peter, First um, Peter, two and two, and so let's go to that. So basically, what the Strong's Concordance does, it allows us to understand the Word of God more in depth. Um, the Old Testament is comprised of the Hebrew scrolls of the bible and it's translated into english the new testament is um originally is written in greek and so we can analyze the word of god through the strong concordance so you must use the king james version in order to be able to understand what the strong concordance is saying it doesn't go by any other version besides the king james version so i'm gonna go um i just typed in the word milk the word milk should come up. So here we go. See, it shows First Peter 2 and 2. And so um, this is Strong's number 1051, which is um, of uncertain affinity milk, figuratively milk. So it's using an example of milk in a way where um, it's saying like you should be... you. It's using it more so like a metaphor, a parable, right? So sincere milk, the milk is actually the word of God, understanding the word of God, right? And you, so you want to crave the word of God. You want to desire the word of God. So let's look up sincere. And the word sincere is, is going to be a different word. So it's going to have a different Strong's number. So this Strong's number is um, number 97. And it is um, derived from Strong's number one as a negative particle in 1388, which is undeceitful, unadulterated, sincere. So when you are sincere about things, you're going to have an unadulterated type of conversation. So... Let's look at the word um, unadulterated so that that way you can better understand what sincere is in the Bible. So unadulterated is not mingled or diluted with extraneous matter, pure, out and out, utter. So this is going to be just straightforward. Let's look at it in the dictionary, um, the Cambridge Dictionary. It says people injecting, um, no, no, it says not spoiled or made weaker by the addition of other substances or pure, complete. So that's what sincere is. So you're pure, you're complete. You don't have any other, you know, like um, additions to add to your sincerity. It's just you're sincere. You're unad unadulterated. So you can basically explain things in a way where you're sincere about it and so what god wants us to do in the word is he wants us 
to crave the spiritual milk in a way where we are sincere. We have to be sincere with God. We have to, we must be sincere in order for us to understand what God wants for us. God will speak to you. He will um, lead you. He will guide you in every aspect of your life. But you have to be sincere. God, God is examining the heart. He acknowledges our um, desires and he examines our desires. And once God is tapping into your desires, you'll know when God is tapping into your desires. So when God, he knows what you want. He knows what your desires are. And so you want to make sure that your desires is something that is going to help you expand in the potential, the full potential that God wants you to live in. So a lot of times when people think about, um, when you think about uh, women's health, you may not be thinking about, okay, well, how, how does all of this biblical stuff play in women's health? Let me explain. So I went to, I went, I went to the doctor. I had picked up a few pounds and stuff. And so I was like, you know, I need to lose some weight. And I was wondering, um, I, I take a lot of vitamins. I take a lot of different type of vitamins. And so I wanted to know, did the doctor have like some other vitamins that I could take that can accommodate me with, with, the, um, with me both having a combination of exercise and vitamins and eating healthy. So I wanted to see what the doctor was recommending. And so when I went in... I say, well, you know, I need to lose some weight. Okay, that is my main goal. So I need to see a nutritionist. I need a referral for a nutritionist um, or a dietitian. And so I, when I talked to the physician, she was like, well, you know, we could give you some, um, we can give you some supplement, but we also have a shot for people that have diabetes. And I was like, well, I don't have diabetes, right? So why are you even suggesting that to me? She was like, well, you know, that's pretty much the only thing that we have. And so we, I can't do anything for you, basically. So she couldn't give that to me. But um, I was asking her about, I was like, so since they, since you all have a shot that's for diabetes, um, well, what about if I could purchase it over the counter? Where like, if, if it's something that's generic, that's similar to that. Because she was explaining to me that, that shot it helps people um stop you know lose their appetite for certain foods and stuff and i was like okay well that sounds really good is it anything else that i could say that can help me do that and so she was like no um that's pretty much the only thing and when people are taking that they said that it's like it really make them feel bad so they feel really bad and they feel stressed out and she said that's the symptom or the side effect of it and I was like, wow, that's that's really interesting, you know. But when she was saying all of that to me, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why are you trying to tell me this when I don't have diabetes, right? You know, like it's pointless, it's meaningless. But we were trying to, you know, figure out some new ways where I could maybe take a supplement to help me curb the appetite. And so... We really couldn't figure it out. Um, and she was a nurse practitioner. So a nurse practitioner, they can also act as like, um, they, they have some of the same power as a physician. 
right? But they are not physicians. They are just a nurse practitioner. And so the nurse practitioner gives you a lot of new, a lot of information. And so she said, well, you know, losing weight is just all about your mental state of mind. And when you're losing weight, it, it impacts your mental state. So I really didn't look at losing weight and dieting and exercising. I didn't look at it in a way where it's going to like stress me out because I'm not, I don't feel stressed, you know? And so, um... I've been trying to, you know, keep this going for the past couple months. I haven't been working out more as much as I was before, but I am doing my squats. And, and before then, I wasn't doing any squats like that because I didn't like doing squats. But then I, I grew accustomed to doing squats. And now I'm doing about 50 to 75 squats a day. So today I did over 100 squats and I feel good about that. But at the same time, I just wanted to make sure that everyone understands that your overall health is impacted by your mental state and your when you're changing your lifestyle, it can impact the way that you feel. Okay, it can deal, it can, you know, um, it can impact your emotional intelligence for yourself and for others. It could cause irritability. It's a lot of different things when you're trying to maintain um a good mental health especially specifically when you're dieting or exercising making sure that you're buying the right products just a woman's body all together we go through a lot of different changes and so it's imperative for you to make sure that you're keeping a, a good mental state of mind all right so um let me go back to this uh in first peter peter two and two so god wants us to, to crave the word of God in a way where we are desiring God. We are sincere. God looks at your desires. He knows what it what it is that you want. So for me, I want to lose some weight. I need to lose about 25 pounds. I don't want to lose weight everywhere. It's just only certain places I would just like to tone. Um, so that is uh, that's my goal right so every day i want to be diligent so every day i am you know even though i'm not in my home environment um it's so important for me to make sure that i can exercise and diet and so that's what i've been doing and um it's a it's a process so it's something that i i make sure that i'm getting done every single day because this is important to me so you are going to make sure that you can make time for the things that are part important to you. That's what people do. Everyone is going to make time for the things that are important to them. So if you want to know about God and you want to learn more and have a better relationship with God, then you're going to make time for God. It's just simple as that. You are going to make time for God. All right. Now, going to Ephesians. Ephesians 4 and 14. This is where I left off yesterday. So then we would no longer be infants. Um, so this is Ephesians 4 and 14 is basically telling you like, okay, now once you crave the word of God, which is you're craving the spiritual milk, the spiritual word of God. And so now you're gaining understanding and God is giving you like, little snippets here and revelation here and there and now you get an interpretation in the word and now the veil is being removed from your face so now you can clear see i mean i'm sorry now you can see clearly and you can hear 
from God's ears and not your own perspective. So what this does, it allows you to grow even further. And so Ephesians 4 and 14, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. This is what God told me. God told me specifically that during these days, there is a shaking and a falling away. There is so many people that are falling out of the body of Christ and it's unfortunate. You know, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate and we have to pray for people. We really do have to pray for people. So it's imperative that you notice and you, when God shows you something, it is, it is so important for you to be able to pray about it. It's so important for you to pray about things that you see because God told me specifically that there are going to be so many people that are confused in the, in these last days, confusion that the devil is going to and from through the earth seeking whom he may devour, you know? And so you want to make sure that you are equipped with the Holy spirit. God does not want you to have fear. So you shouldn't be walking around in fear. You have to understand that God is giving you peace that surpasses all understanding. And all you need is access to his word. You need to get a Bible or download the Bible app, Holy Bible, and get started to read it. And if you don't want to read it right now, play it. You can just play the audio and it'll play and read out loud for you. You want to get that word into your, into your body. You want to get it into your mental. You want to get it into the atmosphere of your home because the word of God is powerful. It's powerful in the beginning. And in, in John one and one, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So as long as the word is God, you are, you are allowing God to be invited into your home, into the atmosphere of your home, right? So all of these things will allow you to grow and not just be like an infant still craving that spiritual milk. You want to be able to be disciplined and have discipline. In order to have discipline, you need to be consistent. You know, so like with me doing a podcast every single day, this is consistency, consistency, right? And so now every single day, that you all can see me. You see, you know, like what I, you know, how I'm feeling. Some days are better than others, but guess what? God is good, right? And so we have to stay focused on the things that God has planned for us, not the things that are going on in this world that can overcloud your thoughts and overcloud your thinking, because those things aren't going to give you the peace that you need. If you were you're you're out here trying to get residual income, how are you gonna get some residual? income with your map your mind is overclouded by so many different other areas you're deterred god wants to give you the wisdom and knowledge that you need in order to sustain in this world but there are so many outside influences that those are becoming barriers in your life so you you want to get rid of those barriers by making sure you readjust and, and refocus by shifting your focus you need to fit shift your focus away from the things that can overcloud your thinking, right? So let's read um, Ephesians 4 and 14, the New Living Translation says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Right? I don't need to downplay you in order for me to get my point across. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do any of that. Period. Because guess what? The word of God, it, the truth is the truth. The truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So you don't have to... You don't have to downplay anybody else. You don't have to speak negative. It really, really is just all about you growing. That's what it's about. It's about us all growing and being positioned exactly where we need to be within the body of Christ. Right? And so that is what God wants us to be. The English Standard Version says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, deceitful schemes, right? So human cunning, look at that word, cunning. That's deceitfulness, right? People are going to tell you whatever it is to justify their means to an end. They're, they're going to say, okay, well, we need your support here because this is what we need. We want our business to grow. We want this. Come and shop here. Come and do this. And it's like your mind is being toggled in so many different places where you need to just sit back, pray to God, and listen to the voice of the Lord. Make sure that your ears are being sensitive to hear the voice of God. So when you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you can hear when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And then that will empower you to not be deceived by any, any outside influences, any negative outside influences. The King James Bible says that we... Henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sleet of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So people are waiting to deceive you. They're waiting on it. They're waiting on you to fail. They're waiting on you to fall. They're waiting. So the Amplified Bible says, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature. You don't want to be spiritually immature. You we We need to be spiritually mature in order to grow in our relationship with god tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit so most people when they're talking about certain things it's just for their personal gain it isn't about you. It's about their own personal gain. It's about their own personal feelings. It's about how they can advance, how they can do this and how they can do that. Right. It isn't about you. It isn't about helping you improve. It's about how can you how, how can they profit from you? How can they make something from you? How can they, you know, impact your life to, you know, intertwine or correlate with their desires? How can they influence you in those ways? So those are some of the things. If you have a question, please go right ahead and put it in the Q&A. And I'll see it there. And then I'll be able to respond to you there. Thank you. So it isn't about, you know, you improving or growing. When it should be about you. You know, when people are telling you something, it's, it should always be to uplift you, up, encourage you, edify you. You know, a lot of times people are not doing it. They just saying, they may say some of the things that, that you just want to hear. Like, for instance, I, I did my hair today. And so I'm like, do, it, do this hairstyle look better or should I put it up? Should I put it back? I'm doing all different type of stuff. And so 
the person that I'm asking, they just sitting up there agreeing with everything I say. Why are you agreeing with me? Please don't just agree with me. I want to learn. I like learning things, right? Tell me if the style don't look right. Tell me your opinion. I just don't want to do things just for my, just for my opinion. You know English, okay? Uh, well, maybe you can turn on your translator. Turn on, turn on translator. So you know, I don't want to just do things. Um, uh, I don't want to just do things just because, right? You wanna you wanna do things to help benefit other people. You don't want to do them just for your own gain and your own benefit. So it's important to always be willing to learn. You know, you want to learn. You want to be able to, you know, um, just grow. And so in order to grow, you have to be coachable. You have to be teachable. And I I love the opinion of other people because it allows me to engage with them and to communicate with them. Now, does it mean that I'm going to agree? Absolutely not. That is not what that means. That just means that I want to hear your perspective. I don't want to just have my own perspective. I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say, right? And so that's something... That we should always be wanting to do. We should always be trying to learn, trying to be coachable and teachable in a way where God can coach us and God can teach us. Okay. So let's look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. And so what does this mean? This means that stop thinking like a little kid right that's what that means so when you look at the new living let's look at the new living translation the the um the new living translation says the new living translation says dear brothers and sisters don't be childish in your understanding of these things be innocent as babies when it comes to evil but be maturing understanding matters of this kind so god wants us to be you know, God wants us to be mature. Um, and so in order for us to be mature, we need to be able to understand what God is saying. And if you're not being open to understanding God or being open to listening and being teachable by God, you're not going to be able to understand what God requires of you. It's simple as that. You have to have a willingness to want to learn. You, are, you need a willingness to want to do better for yourself. Okay. And so that's the let's look at the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. So what does that mean? That that means that we need to be mature. That's that's simple as that. You want to be mature. You don't want to you know, like when, when it comes to evil things, you don't want to be a, uh, you don't want to be well-rounded with doing evil, period. Just, you know, let, let go of your old self and, and walk into what God has for you. So your old life don't have nothing to do with your new life, right? So that's what God wants. God wants us to be mature and understanding the matters of 
this kind. So we need to be mature in our thinking, mature in the way that we engage with people. When when you think about evil um, in regards to, to evil, be infants. That's what it's saying. In regards to evil, be infants. Don't indulge in it. And, 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 and so how can you be uh, an infant to evil? Don't engage with it. You know God, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. This is wrong. Get away from that, right? This is wrong. The King James Bible says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. How about in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. So men is, when it refers to men, it refers to both man and woman in the Bible. Okay, when it refers to men, it refers to men. When it refers to woman, it refers to woman. But when it refers to men, it refers to both man and woman. Okay, so this is so important to understand that God wants us to understand things in a mature way. So the Amplified Bible says, brothers and sisters, do not be children, immature, childlike in your thinking. Be infants in matters of evil, completely innocent and inexperienced. I love the way the Amplified Bible describes that. Be inexperienced. It is so important to be inexperienced in this area. Right? So, um... I apologize, but I cannot I cannot help you right now. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna go um and sort of shift focus right now and go to the blog. So yesterday I was talking about Jesus and his basically um, the description of Jesus. So here is a nice visual of the depiction of Jesus here. All right. And his hair being wool. His hair should have been white. They didn't make it white, but it should have been white, white wool. Um, and so that that is a nice photo here. You know, just the hair part should have been white wool, but everything else so far matches. Um, and so I, I think I had left off on, let's see. So the following are some of the main characteristics of the religious Pharisees, right? We have the 10 commandments, right? The 10 commandments, um, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. Um, no other gods. So let's let's go over this for a moment. No other gods before me. That's what God is saying. He does not want us worshiping anything else besides him. Period. Um, the second one is you shall not make idols. And so an idol could be anybody. A lot of people have idols like celebrities are their idols. You know, um, God does not want us having celebrities as idols. He does not want us to have any idols. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And a lot of times people will say, put it on some merch. That's like the slang term where somebody will say, well, you know, I swear on 
you know, or uh, I promise on, uh, you know, and they always saying they swear on this and they swear on that. So we should not be swearing certain things on God. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Don't do that. So four is you shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath day is actually God resting on the seventh day. So when you look at the calendar, Sunday is the beginning of the week. Saturday is the last day of the week. So Saturday is actually going to be the Sabbath. Um, honor your father and your mother, right? Regardless of whatever you're going through and whatever you're experiencing, um, this this part was kind of like it used to be difficult for me when I was younger because I just felt like my grandmother was my mother and my mom. Yes, yeah, she's been there and I, I love my mom a lot. Uh, she's very a very focused me. OK, she is. She's very focused when it comes to the things that she wants in this world. And so I just know that sometimes we do have disagreements and i i do understand that even and even despite the fact that we have disagreements i still have to you know like make sure that there is no line being crossed you know because it's important for me to still be able to honor my mother that's my only parent that i have left in this world my father is deceased and so it's important to make sure that i try to be as accommodating to her as i can um, but a lot of times, sometimes we're not as close and then we are, and then we're not. so just pray for us. That's all we need. Um, number six, you shall not murder. So this is so important to understand that, you know, you don't have the power of life and death. God has the power of life and death. So when you take life and death in your hands, then you're acting as if you are God and you are not God. There is only one Lord, one savior. His name is Jesus Christ. So you shall not murder. You should not do those things, right? Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Um, so I, I I guess at this one, I, I guess I was a bit confused because when you're married and you're both doing things and you're sharing each other, you don't look at it as, you know, like a, um, adultery, you know, you just look at it in a way where, you know, this is something that you both agree on. So you think it's okay, but actually it's not okay because when you make a vow before God, you are vowing that that person is who you are going to be committed to. You're making this vow. This is a covenant promise. This is something that you're making before God. You're, make, you're standing up to this responsibility. You're saying through sickness and health, through death, through you part. You're saying all of these different things. And so those are things that you have to be able to maintain. Number eight, you shall not steal. So don't steal, right? Um, for me, I, I, I used to think that it was okay. It was nothing wrong with maybe playing paper here and there, what, you know, but I think that it is something wrong with it now, you know, it's not good to steal. It's not good to, you know, take away from anybody, period. Um, it doesn't matter about what the situation would be. Do not steal, um, from no place. Period. Number nine, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. A lot of times, some some neighbors think that they know who who their neighbors are, but many times you may not know who your neighbor is. It's important to try to get to know your neighbor, um, but a lot of times neighbors they don't they don't know you know they don't know you um, like close like close members of your household, but neighbors will know you more than. You know, those people that see you 
at the store you know the people that see you at a store like the the cashiers and stuff they're they're not going to know you as much as your neighbors would so your neighbor also means anyone that is near so let let's look at the the word neighbor in the strong's concordance really quick okay so i need to go back to this one second okay so this is going to be exodus the ten commandments is in exodus 20. and that is i believe it's number uh number nine Okay. Um. Okay, so they spell a neighbor different. That's N E I G H B O U R. Okay. So that would, this should be Exodus 2017. Okay. It actually doesn't even have a, a number on it, but um, it does have neighbor here in Exodus 12. So let's see what this says. The asterisk is a Strong's lexicon number cannot be determined. Right. So what I can do is click on the link. And try to look at this word. Um, neighbors. So a neighbor is um, Strong's number 0745, which is pronounced Raya. Um, it means an associate, more or less close, right? So near, someone that is near you, a brother, companion, fellow, friend, husband, lover, neighbor, other. So when you think of neighbor, you have to think of near. So this would be someone that is near you. Okay. So going back to this, um, you should not bear false witness against your neighbor, period. Don't go around saying things about people that you can't confirm. Don't gossip because if, you, if, if you're, you're bearing false witness against somebody, that person should be there to defend themselves. If you have something to say about a person, you should say it to them. They will be the best person to talk to. You should not go around talking about other people to other people. That's just inappropriate. That isn't, you know, like something that is not going to bring, that's going to bring problems. All right. And the information can be disputed. And then that means that if it can be disputed, other people can make up stories. It could lead to slander, gossip, strife, envy, jealousy, all sorts of things. So just don't talk about people that are not present, period. If you have something to say about them, call them on the phone. Talk to them in their face. Send them an email. Make sure that they know that you're talking about them and you have something to say to them. 
you're not going around saying it to 50 other people, but you've already approached that person and you talk to them about it. And then you don't want to go around gossiping just because you talk to that person about something. You leave it alone. If you have something else to say to them, then you make sure you address it with that person again. Right? So this just minimizes confusion. The Bible also talks about this. Let me let me show you. Um, so bring uh, uh, two two or three witnesses this this is a bible verse uh it also kind of like correlates with uh this scripture here so matthew 18 and 16 it says uh no let me let me i want to look at the the verses before that matthew 18 so let me see matthew 18 here we go 18 through 15 if your brother or sister sins now, remember in the strong concordance, right, we see, hold on, where is it? There we go. We, we see that in the strong concordance, wait a second here, let me X out of that. In the strong concordance, neighbor is close, brother, companion, fellow, friend, husband, lover, neighbor, right? So we see that though that, that is anyone that is near you. So if you go to Matthew 18, verse 15, on to verse 19. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, right? If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is so important because if you have something to say and you bring it to that person and they don't want to talk about it, you want to make sure that you are including two or three other people because now you have the testimony from not just yourself, but you have it from other people as well. And so God wants us to collaborate. You know, if somebody try to lie on you, no, 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 no. I don't, you're not going to lie on me. You're not going to lie on me. Okay. So if they do try to lie, you have other people to validate what was said. And so um, in verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And a pagan or a tax collector is shown upon, right? People don't want to be bothered with no tax collector or a pagan. Because all they're concerned with is the matters of the flesh. Tax collectors, all they're concerned with collecting debt. They don't even care if you're poor. They don't care who you are. Um, in verse 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So God is going to be with you. So there is a power in the power of agreement. Power of agreement is what? Two or more. It's actually three. Three, three equates to power of agreement. Two is agreement, right? So it's important to make sure that we are coming boldly before the throne with more than just two people because that's a power of agreement. And when you're mentioning things to people, you want to make sure you have two or three witnesses. So going back to the blog here, it's, it talks about Mark 7 
and um seven through oh i'm sorry the uh exodus 20 and in the the 10th one is you shall not covet so don't want something else that somebody else had that's theirs you know let them go ahead and live their life and don't envy them you know now one time i did get into a discussion with my daughter and she wanted to she what she said was hold on one second i, I need one break here give me one moment please Thank you all so much for holding. Wait, I have to unmute that one. Thank you all so much for holding. Um, so, um, 10 on Exodus 20. So, you shall not covet, right? And so, what this means is basically you don't want to envy or, or want, get, want the other things that other people have, right? Because that is not right. You know, just you have to understand that God has gifted you and what God has gifted you with, what you need to know is everything that you need, all you have to do is ask God for. He will give it to you. So you have to understand one of the main reasons I don't compare myself to anyone is because your choices may not be my choices. Your options, just because we have some of the same options, doesn't mean that we're going to have the same choices. Your choice is going to end up with you living a certain life. My choice is going to have me living a certain life, right? And so you want to make sure you're not comparing your choices to other people because you don't know what that person went through. You don't know what they're experiencing and you don't know what their life look like, right? Specifically, God knows the heart. You don't know what's like real going on in desires of people yes you can examine them by testing and trying their spirit but you shouldn't covet them period just just leave that alone that's that's a bad thing to do and so when i think about this i think about how me and my daughter we was one day we was talking about envy and she was saying that envy can be positive now my daughter she's a critical thinker we both are and we have like long discussions about sometimes things that some people may consider to be really small but they are not small 
because we gain like a thorough understanding of things specifically when we pray to god and when we're having a uh like a critical thought about it so we were talking about envy and i don't agree with i don't i did not agree with the fact that she was saying that envy is something that could be good because i never looked at envy as being good i always looked at envy as like covet right but it really depends on how you are interpreting it. You know, um, and, and let me explain this. So she said, Mom, envy is someone is doing something good. You may want to do that. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I probably would. But that don't mean that I want to do it like them. I may want to do something good, but it just in a different way. Now, their action could influence my thought to want to be or, or to act like that particular way, but it doesn't necessarily equate to me wanting to be like that. So I don't envy. So let's look at the word. Let, let's look at this word envy. <laughs> envy, a feeling of discontent or resentment aroused by and in conjunction with desire for the possessions or qualities of another the object of such feeling right so you you want to have like these qualities of other people and you want to have their possessions and you feel resentment and you feel discontent so let's look at let's look it up in the strong uh in the strong concordance It is not even moving. It's not doing anything. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to look this up. So MV Envy in in Hebrew. I'm just look at envy in Hebrew. So envy in Hebrew is Strong's number seven zero six eight. It is pronounced kino kino. It means zeal and jealousy from an unused word, right? Anger, envy, jealousy, passion, rivalry, zeal. So when I think of rivalry, hold on one second, please.
Thank you all. Wait, hold on one second. Thank you all so much for holding. I apologize about that. So what my what my daughter was saying was that she thought that envy can um it, it can basically it can spark a person to want to um try to do something that someone else is doing and so that that quality may be good within itself and so just that particular quality of that person you may want to adopt but that doesn't mean that you should be hold on one second Okay, so that doesn't mean that just because a person has a certain quality or attribute that you want to be able to, um, you know, adopt that, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody is, you know, bad. I'm just saying that don't envy anybody else. It's no reason to. Now you're going to be influenced. You can be influenced by others, but that doesn't mean that you should envy them. Because you shouldn't want to, you shouldn't want to be like them. You should want to be like the way God wants you to be. You're unique. God has created you um, different. So you have your own set of fingerprints. You are a part of the body of Christ. And as you, as you grow and understand what the position that God wants you to have, you're going to be able to fulfill God's purpose. But the first thing is understanding that you are who God says that you are. And God created you to be uniquely developed. You're not like everyone else. So you have to be able to identify that you have your own set of fingerprints. Let God mold you into the person that, that you should be because God knows the potential that is inside of you. So let's look at the second one. So um, uh, Mark 7, 7 through 9. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. What is vain worship? God do not want us doing things just because God, everything that God talks to us about, everything that God wants us to do, it is to uplift us. It is for us to improve. It is for us to grow. Okay. And just because you go to church and you go praise and worship God, you should be and worshiping God every single day. You should praise and worship God when you get out of the bed. You should talk to God throughout the day. There are 24 hours in a day. There should be no reason why you're not having long discussions with the Lord. How many situations did you encounter? How many things did you go through in one day? You have to look at all of those things, a combination of different things, and say, you know what? That was a lot of stuff that you had to go through, right? And so, so with that being said, why are you not including God in your life? Why are you not including him in all of your choices and your decisions? And you want to use discretion. You know, do you have to do you have to talk to God about every specific food item to buy? You know, you might you might be a person that do and you another person may not. You know, so you just want to make sure that you are being mature enough to understand what God is saying to you. And so the second one is um, two. 
They were more concerned with outer purity rather than the purity of the hearts. Jesus said that they cleaned the inside of the cup, but the inside, their hearts were full of wickedness. So when you only see things from the iceberg, which is above the surface, and never be, be able to see what's below the surface, you need to always be equipped with the Holy Spirit. Be prepared for his return. Are you, are you prepared for God's return? You will not want to be left behind following a religious Pharisee when the Lord returns. So what you really should know is that those things that are beneath the surface, underneath, is what some of the things that you may never know about a person. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't know. So when you had a when you are equipped with the Holy Spirit, you can, you know, understand what is going on. You will have discernment, right? You are you're not going to be without without the knowledge that you need in order to sustain in this world. You are going to be equipped. You are ready for every battle, every single situation. So Luke chapter 11 verse 39 says, then the Lord said to him, now then you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. See, they, they are going to be full of greed, envy, jealousy, hatred, all different type of stuff. You don't want to be around that. It's okay for you to speak and plant seeds in their life, but you don't want to be around those specific things. You understand? So in Matthew 23 and 25, it says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So we need to be working on ourselves from the inside out. You don't want to be a, a hypocrite. You don't want to be a religious Pharisee. So it's important to see things from God's perspective and not your own. Because when you're looking at things from God's perspective, you're going to be able to say, you know, like, that person needs prayer. Let me pray with you. What do you want to pray about? You know, um, you, you're going to identify things that you see that is good. You're going to identify the things that are bad. But that is because you are testing and trying the spirits. You, you should be testing and trying everybody that you encounter. Why? Because there are so many different things that's going on that people are submitting their will to each and every day. So you don't want to be deceived in this deceiving world. Three, they tithe on herbs, which is good, but more important matters like justice and the love for God were over overlooked. So religious Pharisees, they don't have uh, justice in their heart. They don't have a love for God like that. It's all about them and how they could uh, appear to other people. Who cares about impressing other people you're not up are you you we should not be people pleasers right paul said it he says uh hold on let me let me go to what paul was saying
He says, I am not, I am not a people pleaser. I think it was in um Ephesians. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Children, um, let's see, I think it's nine. So Galatians 1 and 10, I am I not am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's the new, new the NIV version. So the New Living Translation says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. The English Standard Version says, For I, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The King James Bible says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I were still pleasing men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The Amplified Bible says, am I, am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men or of God? Or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. So you understand we're not here to please people. We are actually here to please God. And so sometimes that may encompass you, you know, not being able to be liked by everybody. But who cares? Right? Long as you are living a life that is pleasing to God and you know that you're doing what you're supposed to do. That's all that matters. You're not, you don't want to sit here and be like a religious Pharisee and and uh, not be cleansed on the inside out. God wants us to practice what we're teaching. You have to be able to do that, right? So um, going into uh, Luke 11 and 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the pre preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is coming. And so what this was referring to was... Um, what, this was referring to Jesus, the return of the, Jesus coming, right? So, um, in Matthew 23 and 23 through 24, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guys, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So what that means is that 
you know, uh, they they can take out, take on the small things, but they can't take on the bigger things, right? God wants us to be able to receive his word. And so there are going to be a lot of people at the church. They are Pharisees. They are religious, you know, leaders. But that doesn't mean that you have to be deceived by them, right? Because they are under an obligation by God. They are going to be held at a higher rate of accountability, right? Because they are out here speaking the word of God, holding other people accountable, but they're not being accountable themselves. So it's imperative for us as leaders to be able to make sure that we are living a life that we're supposed to be living. So if you require other people or you telling other people to do something that you can't do, don't do that. That isn't, that isn't right. So God wants us to live a life that well, we can we can have justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so that's what God wants us to do. So here's a collage of greed, business, corruption, large, big companies, money, um, businesses. So it's all about the greed with the religious Pharisees. Four, they love the highest seats and public greetings in the market because they were selfish and wanted to be seen by people to the point of enlarging the borders of their clothes. So these are some of the things that they wanted to do. You know, um, they, they don't they didn't care about anything else. But besides pleasing people, it's just all about pleasing people. They want to impress people. They they wake up to dress a certain way to impress people. They're not dressing a certain way because they feel confident in themselves or comfortable with themselves. They doing it all for the public. All to have high seats, all to get the praise of people, so they they can enlarge their bank accounts and enlarge this. Everything is all selfish with the religious Pharisees. So Luke eleven and forty three. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. So they like attention, you know, and so those type of attention. That could lead to insignificance, deficiency, inadequacy, um, disconnection, instability. It could also lead to uh, impotence, vulnerability, um, uncertainty again, exclusion, exposure. It leads to so many different things, right? And so you want to make sure that you have a lens where you can see this and just you know it's okay to listen to what the, some of the religious pharisees have to say but you are not supposed to do what they're they're telling you to do i mean you're not supposed to act the way that they act you can listen to what they say because they are equipped with the word of god they just are hypocrites so matthew 23 5 through 10 everything they do is done for people to see see this is in the bible they make their uh, phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect and in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, 
for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor and that is the Messiah. And so this is what the Bible tells us. Don't don't be don't be like them. Basically, they they love for people to see them. They are a people pleaser. Period. They want you to call them teachers, instructors, rabbis. They want to have the highest seats. They want to be looked at with high esteem. Right? And I talked about that yesterday. With, with, about, you know, um, being viewed with high esteem. So Mark 12 and 38. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. So they make people fall. Jesus said that they were like hidden graves made unsuspecting people fall in. Do you see that? That is horrible. So successful people, they want others to succeed. But unsuccessful people, they want others to fail. So the Bible talks about Jesus, Jesus saying that they are like hidden graves. They are going to sit back and wait for you to fail, wait for you to fall. That's their goal objective. You know, so, um, so that, that's, that's basically what they want. They want people to fail. So they're like hidden graves In Luke 11 and 44, it says, woe to you because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. People walk over it. They don't even know. And, 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 um, the sixth one is they did not want people to be healed on the Sabbath. That God made for men. God is the one who made the Sabbath for men. But yet they would take out their ox if it fell in the pit on the Sabbath. See, it's just contradiction. So the secret of knowledge is God. It, the secret of knowledge is the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Matthew, Matthew 13, 11 through 17, he replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you but not to them so there are a lot of people in this world that they say oh well they say oh well you know god has given everybody the word everybody is god's child everybody is not god's child everybody do not belong to the body of christ there are children of god and there are children of the devil period so we all need to understand what that means Verse 11, it says, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. The reason why it's not given to certain people is because they didn't choose God. They're not choosing the Holy Spirit. They waking up and making choices and they're they, they choosing problems. They choosing their issue. They choosing to deter from what God is saying to them. God is trying to tug their heart. God is pulling at them. God is chasing them at with their love, with his love. But guess what? They're not receiving it. They're not acknowledging it. So God abandons them to their desire, right? So whatever desire that may be, if that's a desire of 
Just say covenants. If that's a desire of fornication and adultery, if it's a desire of uh, immorality and impurity, all of those desires, impurity, you can't even have the spirit of God living on the inside of you if you're impure. So all of those things is a combination of why they have not been given the secrets of the kingdom of, of heaven. So there are some people that they, when they read the word, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to de decipher or be able to interpret or re have revelation of it. It is because God allowed them to be abandoned to their desires. And until they see God and call on God, then they're going to continue to not understand the word. They're going to continue to read it and not be able to interpret what it means. So it says here, he replied because of the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So you're going to interpret, some people want to interpret things differently because they don't have the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And the reason why they don't is because of their choice. See, God has gifted us with free will. I believe that every single choice is a gift. It's a gift. And the, the gift that what you do with your gift determines your outcome. So in verse 12, it says, whoever has, whoever has will be given more. Whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So what this means is that if you have the word of God, you will be given more. If you do not have the word of God, even what you have will be taken away from you. The little bit that you did get, the little that was planted in your heart will be taken away because the devil is going to come and steal the word of God away. You know, that's what the Bible teaches about. So let's let's go to the farmer who planted, uh, the farmer who sowed the seed. So this is Mark, Matthew 13. Okay. Matthew 13 says that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. A large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat and sat down. All the people stayed on the shore. Then Jesus used stories to teach them many things. He told them this story. A farmer went out to sow a seed. While he was scattering the seed, some of it fell by the road. The birds came and ate all that seed. Other seed fell on rocky ground where there was not enough dirt. It grew very fast there because the soil was not. Hold on one second, please.
Thank you all so much for holding. So, um, a farmer had went out to sow a seed. While he was scattering the seed, some of it fell by the road. The birds came and ate all that seed. Other seed fell on rocky ground where there was not enough dirt. It grew very fast there because the soil was not deep. But when the sun rose, it burned the plants. The plants died because they did not have deep roots. Some other seed fell among thorny weeds. The weeds grew and stopped the good plants from growing. But some of the seed fell on good ground. There it grew and made grain. Some plants made 100 times more grain, some 60 times more, and some 30 times more. You people who hear me, listen. So understand what, what this means is that the, the seed that fell on the road, the birds came and ate, ate the seed. So basically what that means is the enemy come and take the word away. And it's not going to have root. So if we go down into verse 11, Jesus answered, only you, only you can know the secret truths about God's kingdom. Those other people cannot know these secret truths. The people who have some understanding will be given more and they they will have even more than they need. But those who do not have much understanding will lose even the little understanding that they have. This is why I use these stories to teach the people. They see, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really hear or understand. So they show that what Isaiah said about them is true. You people will listen and listen, but you will not understand. You will look and look, but you will not really see. Yes, the minds of these people are now closed. They have ears, but they don't listen. They have eyes, but they refuse to see. If their minds were not closed, they might see with their eyes. They might hear with their ears. They might understand with their minds. Then they might turn back to me and be healed. But God has blessed you. You understand what you see with your eyes. And you understand what you hear with your ears. I can assure you, many prophets and godly people wanted to see what you now see. But they did not see it. And many prophets and godly people wanted to hear what you now hear. But they did not hear it. So what that what that means is God wants us to all understand that everyone is not going to be able to understand the word of God. So because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you and not them. So the reason why it's not given to them, we understand why. Because they are not accepting God. So whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Okay. And so that I just read that entire scripture. So uh, seven, they burdened people with unnecessary traditions and did not raise a finger to help. Boss versus leader. A boss is going to command you to do stuff. A leader is going to ask you. That's the difference. And so it's the same way in, in, in retrospect with religious Pharisees. They're going to make commands 
instead of asking you how you understand this or how how is this resonating with you how are you interpreting let's talk about the word of god you know they're gonna just say this and they make commands and demands right so that's the difference in luke 11 and 46 it says jesus replied and you experts in the law woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. So if you really want to help people, you have to be patient. Patience. Patience. And I'm going to say patience again. You have to have patience. God has patience for us. You want to have patience for them. You don't want to overload people with burdens. You, you want them to sit here and do a 5,000 degree turnaround when you can't do a 5,000 degree turnaround. So don't be expecting or requiring people to move so fast. You have to learn how to pray with people. I pray with people. I do. But I can tell you one thing for sure is this. I, I, I love praying and I'm always pray. But the thing about being down here in Chicago that I really, really do miss, I really do miss being able to like praise and worship God all day. And that's what I normally do. And it's like being up here, I wasn't able to do that. You know, when you're in other people's houses and stuff, I'm already using two hours of the time on the podcast. So it was, it's been difficult being able to praise and worship God the way that I normally do. And so I want to, you know, I don't feel that my praise and worship is a burden, right? But it's like when there is a different lifestyle going on, I should not subject myself to that type of environment. And so now I've just removed myself from it. And so it's so important for us, like, not to put burdens on people in a way where it's going to pressurize them. We don't want to put that much pressure on people. We do want other people to succeed. So in order for them to succeed, we have to work with them. We have to be willing to work with them. That doesn't mean that if they're constantly doing wicked, 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 wicked things, evil, 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 nobody wants to be around that all the time. I don't want to be around that. So, you know, they the religious Pharisees are going to burden people with 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 uh heavy loads right and they're not even gonna uh, uh have it applied to themselves they can't even uh answer any of those requests that they're trying to place on other people so you got to be realistic with this so when when someone is needing help they're saying help me help me but now you overburdening them with all these different things that you yourself can't maintain we as children of God, we need to be helping people in a way where it's realistic goals, smart goals, those things that are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So Matthew 23 and 4, it says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulder, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You see, so they built, they, they built sepulchers of the prophets that their own ancestors had killed. Why? Why are they doing those things? Luke eleven forty-seven through 48. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets. And it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. 
They killed the prophets and then you build their tombs. So how can you attest to something if you're going to go ahead and then build the tombs? So you basically, you're approving the evil of your ancestors. That's wrong. How, what, why would you agree to anything like that? So you can't really incorporate some of these ideas or the ideologies of these religious leaders have. Religion is a form of confusion. God is not a God of confusion, right? So don't be religious. Matthew 23, 29 through 31, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would have not taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Ding, 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 right? What does that tell you? That tells you that the same people who killed Jesus and crucified Jesus are the same ones who are the descendants of, of these religious Pharisees that killed Jesus. Because they are practicing the things that they were taught. You have to understand everything is taught. There are what you call intergenerational transmissions. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the exact way that you were taught. Right? Because your heart is going to grow the more and more you understand God. The more and more you read God. The more and more you crave the, the spiritual milk of the Lord and the word of God. The more you crave God and your desires. The more and more your heart is going to be shaped according to the will, purpose, and plan that God has for you. God is going to provide you with revelation and understanding where you can interpret his word. Where it's not like when you read the word, you don't have the secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven like other people don't. Like the scripture said, they, they do not because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. As it says here in Matthew 13, 11 through 17. So it is so important for us all to understand that God does not want us dealing with all of that. Okay? Just we have to pray about things and not be influenced by all of this, this falseness. Because if you could be influenced by a religious Pharisee, you could be influenced by other in other areas of your life. And you don't want that. So Matthew 12 and 14 it says, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So you tell me that these people had access to God. They heard Jesus speak, but yet and still, they still plotting to kill Jesus. Their hearts were stone. God couldn't even use it. God didn't even plant a seed in their heart. No, no, no seed, nothing was watered in their heart for them to still want to plot and kill Jesus, who was God himself manifesting in the flesh. God was 100% man, 100% God. They wanted to kill God. They plotted to kill their creator. So, verse 33 through 46, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. A vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vine, the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. 
When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenant seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned the third one. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to wretched, to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus says to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who produce its fruits. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. So you understand that now these tenants that this that this uh, landowner had rented to kill all of his servants, including the son. So God is sending out people in your path that you just shooting down. You're not listening to nothing that they have to say. You just knocking them down, knocking them down. Ain't it? They not manifesting in your heart. You steady knocking them down. You knocking them down. You knocking them down. You're not listening. You're not listening to the people God is sending in your path. You're knocking. You're not listening. God, God not planting no seed when he's sending his servants. You're not rejecting the people. You're rejecting God, the word of God from those people. Right? And so when that happens, so, so God sends his son to speak. They go ahead and then they kill the son. So the same spirit of the religious Pharisees that had killed Jesus Christ is the same spirit that lives in the people that are religious here in society today. So in verse 42, where it says, Jesus says to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. So you see that there? That's just a depiction of them rejecting Jesus. Um, so Matthew 27, 20 through 22. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. So in exchange to um, Pontius Pilate, they wanted to exchange a murderer for Jesus. So in verse 21, it says, which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. You might be wondering, why would anyone in the world listen to a religious Pharisee when they are affluent with corruption, plotting evil and have killed Jesus Christ, whom was 100% man and 100% God? You see that? 
I don't know how this got all the way down here. Just one second. One moment here. So, whom was 100% man and 100% God? So, they, they listen to these religious Pharisees because they themselves are deceived. So, they're following up behind what the Pharisees are doing because they are deceived. So it's okay. I mean, let me rephrase that. It's okay to listen to the word of God when the when the Pharisees are speaking the word, but it's not okay to do what they do. So to support the act of crucifying Jesus, it was because they were all deceived. And so at nine, they took away the key of knowledge. They blocked people from getting into heaven and they themselves did not get in. Understanding means throwing away your knowledge, throwing away the things that you think is correct but are not correct you need to unlearn the things that god don't want in your life a lot of and how do you identify those things you have to understand that if you are in the same position you were in five years ago god wants you to do better than it how do you propose doing better if you're going to stay in the same position that is prohibiting you from being successful right that that is that isn't right so you want to make sure that you are not doing things that are depraved to what God wants or has for your life, right? Those things are loose. You don't want to be loose. All right. 13. Um, wait, no, I'm not on 13. That was on this side. So Matthew uh, 23 and 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Their religious Pharisees are so self-centered. They're so selfish. And there's a lot of more scriptures going on. Um, I'm going to skip a couple of these. But um, you all can read all about the religious Pharisees. I want to go through the whole list here. It's quite a bit of information. But you get the drift. Like there is a pattern. A pattern with the religious Pharisees and the things that they are doing. Um, and they are not making any, they're not making nothing any better than what it is. And so um, it's important to understand the things that God wants you to do. So Acts 17, verse 24 through 26. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it, it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And so this is, I have read this one already. Um, I, I meant to go to, uh, so now I'm going to shift topics a little bit here. I'm going to shift and talk about, let's talk about sanitary napkins causing cancer in an article um, by Nikita Bodrowicz, 
Um, and it says, can sanitary napkins cause cancer? So let me go down to this article. Okay. Can sanitary napkins cause cancer? So the article suggests that sanitary napkins are unsafe. According to the ongoing study surrounding the issue, it has been reported in a study that sanitary napkins cause cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, and genital cancer, and can impact the body, including but not limited to the reproductive organs as well. Um... Who do you not limited to? Okay. Consequently, sanitary napkins have dioxin, um, which is a carcinogen that promotes cancer um, in the body, including bleach-containing components that can be absorbed by um, that can be absorbed through the blood, which can travel back inside of the vagina. This can lead to health problems. So here is the actual study to the to um read regarding sanitary napkins causing cancer so just give me one moment here make sure that this is All right, so I'm going to click on this article in a moment, but I just want to make sure that I um, just make a couple of clarifications here. So the reason why I brought up the religious Pharisees is because a lot of times when people are self-driven self and they're self selfish, they are not going to give you the advice that you really need. Um, so okay to listen to the, the pharisees when they talk about the word of god but when it goes off into the some of the things that they are doing don't do as they do the word of god clearly tells us it's okay to listen to them but it's not okay to do what they do so you have a set of choices and you have free will that god has given god has given you and it's important for you to be able to make sure that you're choosing the path that god wants you to to, to be led on right so religious pharisees has a really strong impact in the way the church is being led um and so you are a part you are you are a part of the body of christ and you don't want to be deceived by religious pharisees that are in the church because they are not leaving the church many of them are going to always stay there so you just have to be able to discern what the truth is and be able to follow in the path that God wants to lead you on. Okay. So there is this article. Um, and then so this article, let's see, it's pulling up here. So this is the article that is um, published by Toxics Link for a toxic free world. 
And so Toxic Link, it basically talks about, I meant to, let me see if I could pull up their website. So you just actually see that website. That is not it. I'm going to pull up their website here. Toxic Links. Pull up the website. Oh, no, that's not it. That's not the, is that? No, that's not the website. Here's the website. It's toxiclinks.org. And um, so let's look at, I want to go over their mission. So about them. So Toxic Link is basically a nonprofit organization that is registered in um, New Delhi, New Delhi, uh, India. It They have taken on an initiative for um, the environment, right? So they have a charitable uh, trust for that. And they had emerged to address a lot of, of the different gaps that are related to toxicity and waste that is basically impacting the environment as well as uh, human health, specifically um, those that are in marginalized communities, right? So they have um, created a knowledge-based um, website, which is Toxic Links, that provide the science and field search um, to provide a more comprehensive understanding of what they are doing to sort of combat the, uh, waste and sustainability, chemicals and health and information in the, the, the way that is being communicated. So they are doing this both nationally and internationally, and it have resulted in many different changes and practices where um, different processes have been improved in order for um, developing countries and Indian citizens to be able to um, mutually uh, deepen the understanding of the, the waste in marginalized communities and the environment that is impacting human health as well. So going back to the article, now I, I read this article, I have it here. The article is about 72 pages long. Um, I did provide like a synopsis of it, right? So um, it basically, it talks about how the sanitary napkins have dioxine. Um, dioxine, like I said, it is a carcinogen that promotes cancer within the body, um, including the bleach-containing component components that are absorbed absorbed through the bloodstream. Right. So going back to the article, let's look at some of the things that are discussed in the article. Um, it says here that. Uh, the start of the menstrual cycle is known as a uh, monarchy. Monarchy. Uh, it is attained generally between uh, ten and twelve years of age, um, but it can start as early as eight years old. Um, it is not a lifelong process. So when a woman does not menstruate for twelve consecutive months, it is termed as menopause. Right. So this usually occurs between the ages of forty-five and fifty-five years old. And so there are a lot of different products that um, individuals are using each month in order to sort of stay healthy and maintain their uh, menstruation cycle. 
So every month, about 336 million women and adolescent girls across India use sanitary uh, products and generate menstrual waste. And so of these products, there are nearly 70% of women living in urban India. They, they use sanitary pads compared to 48% of women in rural India. So this is a clear indication that, you know, um, women that are in urban communities are utilizing the sanitary products differently than the women that are in the rural areas. Um, and so that is a discrepancy there, right? And so when you look at the sort of sustainability development of the um, development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs, they have basically created some goals that are called global goals that were adopted by the United Nations in 2015. And it follows the millennial, um, Millennium Development Goals. And so the Goals Act, um, it acts as a universal call to action to end poverty, protect the planet, and ensure that all people enjoy peace and prosperity by the year 2030. Right? So this is um, part of what the United Nations Goals was. However, in 2018, it was reported that the shame, stigma, and misinformation that surrounds periods can lead to serious health and, and human rights concerns, right? So that agenda of 2030, they had a 15-year plan that was supposed to provide sustainable social and economic development um, that really, really was supposed to, you know, combat poverty, hunger, and the lack of access to health care. Um, there were issues related to sanitation facilities in middle and low income countries like India. They had gained increased recognition um, with the water and sanitation, including their hygiene. Right. So we see here that sanitation is something that can negatively impact the menstruation cycle of women. Specifically, looking at the women in rural areas, 48% of those women are not using sanitary pads compared to um, the women that are in urban uh, India. So you have all of these different types of uh, menstrual uh, products. You have the sanitary napkins, which are the pads. They usually last for about four to six hours on average. Then they have tampons that last for about four to eight hours, right? They are also disposable. They have the uh, menstrual cups that um, they, they can be reused for up to about 10 years. Reusable pads, right? The, they last for about four to six hours. They can last for about five years as well. And, and those are somewhat cost effective. They are also easily bi biodegradable and eco-friendly. Um, I'm really sure how eco-friendly they are, but they are saying that they are. So I would like to believe that what they're saying is accurate. Um, they also have the men menstrual cloth, right? These are sort of reusable pieces of cloth used externally to absorb the menstrual, the menstrual flow. And so what this does it is it's mostly cotton. And so cotton is really good because it allows the vagina to breathe, right? And so among those, uh, I'm sorry, among these different disposable sanitary napkins or pads, 
These are the, the, sort of the most popular choice, right, in India. So a large number of women in India, particularly the ones in rural areas, are um, experiencing these economic hardships, right, due to a lack of access, right? And so they have limited products that they can use. And so this can become somewhat a disparity within the rural areas. And so we should be making sure that people can have a reusable um, product, sanitary napkins, right? Um, the lifespan of these reusables are one to 10 years. Then the, the compostable disposables, that looks like they are a limited, right? That's limited to one-time use. The non-compostable are about, they last for about 200, it's a, can take 250 years to fully decompose. Wow, decompose products. So these products, the pads cannot, that, that is really interesting there. I think I maybe overlooked that. But what it's saying is the pads itself have um, this cellulose-based sanitary pads that has plastic barriers. And with these plastic barriers, this is what is used with to make panty liners and different pads and they are um harmful to the environment you have these plastic chemical uh, compositions and menstrual products that is really contributing to the overall um uh you know the the ecosystem it's in negatively impacting the the ecosystem so you have these disposable sanitary pads they are made up of polyurethane um, as a top sheet to keep the pad dry. Um, they are super absorbent, but as you've seen in the video, they are not really healthy, and so that is really bad, right? You look at when you look at the, all of these things, they're not really contributing to the overall ecosystem, and they're also not contributing to the the woman's health. So it, it is really um, this recycled plastic, this recycled adhesive sort of material is really harmful to the environment. And not just to the environment, but also to the woman's health. It causes ovarian cancer um, and other different cancers because of the carcinogens that are attached to these products that um, is producing dioxine. Um, and so... The market size for this. Let's talk about the market size. Um, and I only have a couple more minutes here. So uh, in recent years, the global sanitary product market has, uh, they sort of have seen a tremendous growth, right? Um, as they continue to make feminine hygiene products, the market for them are going to be higher. As the population increases with more women than men, you're also going to have an increase in uh, the demand for this product. This is macroeconomics, right? As the supply demand increases, so does the, well, as the demand increases, the supply will increase. So if there is a high demand and the population of women continue to grow, the demand for um, feminine hygiene products are going to increase. You, we can say that, right? Definitively. We can say that as the population of women increases, there's also going to be a higher demand for feminine hygiene products based off of this, you know, the market size here. So it is expected that, um, there are 42.7 billion um, feminine hygiene products by the year to 2022. 
And so many of them are registered at a CAGR of 6.1% during the forecast period from 2016 to 2022 globally. So these feminine hygiene products market is specific to India, right? And so they are valued at around 25.2 billion in 2018 and was expected to reach about 58.62 billion by the year 2024. So you have an expanding rate of uh, increase of about 14.92% during the uh, 2019 to 2024 period. And let's take a look at the market and the way it looks here. So we see that the sanitary product market is really, really high. So, hey, you all, um, I'm going to end for tonight. It's been, I've reached my two hour mark there. And uh, let me go ahead and pray. All right. So I apologize, but I will continue this on Thursday. I am closed on Wednesday. All right. But I do appreciate you all for joining me today. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for allowing us to understand your word, to identify the religious Pharisees and anyone that may negatively try to influence us or deter us from your word. God, let us stay always stay equipped with your Holy Spirit. Let us pray about everything that we see. Let us pray about the things that we want. Let us pray about the things we want to improve. Let us pray about everything, God, because that, that is what you want us to do. And this is how we can better enhance our relationship with you to make our relationship more efficient, allow us to be able to, you know, be more sensitive to your voice, God. And so we just want, we want to be able to please you and serve you, God. It's about serving you and being obedient to you. So we just thank you right now, God, that your will be done in our life. We pray that you allow your word to stay embedded in our hearts. God, keep it hidden in our hearts with your blood. We plead the blood of Jesus over your word in our hearts, God. And we just thank you that you allow it to stay hidden and, and do not let it leave us. Uproot everything out of us that displeases you and it is a diso disobedience to you, God, and replace it with those things that are obedient, satisfying, and pleasing to you, God. We just thank you right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your will be done in our life on every step that we take, every thought that we think, and every word that we speak, God. Let us be influenced by your Holy Spirit, inspired by you, encouraged by you, God, and we just appreciate you today in the name of Jesus Christ. It is still near our blood. Amen.